Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, is it time for alternative therapy in Dortmund? BVB only draw 2-2 with Heidenheim. Union get licked 3-0 at home to Leipzig. Bayern beat bogey team Gladbach to get past the disastrous deadline day. And Bayer Leverkusen continue to shine at the very top of the Bundesliga table. All of this and much, much more in this week, in this week's edition of BN Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to match day three of the Bundesliga and our very special look back at all the comings and goings on the pitch but off it in what was a very momentous weekend in the Bundesliga. Before we start, uh, just a reminder that you can help us keep going by becoming a supporter or even an ultra. Um, our numbers are growing by the week, our listening numbers especially, but we do need a bit more help to keep going until the end of the season. So if you can, we'd appreciate it very much. If you become an ultra, a mug, very special mug, will be on the way to you as a token of our appreciation. But on with the show. Okay, Christoph, only one place to start. That is Berlin. And that is a very unexpected result, perhaps. Leipzig beating, Leipzig beating Union 3-0 at Alte Försterei, and you were there to witness it. What happened? Uh, actually, I, I wasn't that surprised uh, about the defeat um, because um, what you could see also already in the first games, or, although Union played very well, um, that they have the kind of B team and center midfield uh, right now with uh, Yannick Habra here who came later on, Lucas Toussaint missing and Rani Kedira probably last season the most uh, important player. They are all out and um, and yes, so it was uh, Union's first defeat after 24 home games. So that's a, a long series. Um, the first win of RB against Union after five games, and it was uh, fully deserved, um, especially um, after being one man up uh, because Kevin Folland was sent off with a red card because of a late tackle against Simakan. I think a, a, a red card uh, that you don't need to discuss about because he, he just came too late. And he the very second it happened, he knew it and um, <laughs> uh, before standing up started to apologize, but uh, it was too late. Uh, and after that, it was um, yeah almost a stroll for um, uh, for Leipzig, scoring two more goals. And uh, and yes, and we witnessed a very impressive RB team. And uh, and I think uh, especially standing out, the young uh, Dutch player, Xavi Simmons, who scored the fourth goal. And he, and he was, yeah, he was fun to watch. Uh, who else did you enjoy 
watching. Yeah, uh, I also enjoyed uh, Danny Olmo, uh, but 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 he mainly sh uh, took the opportunity <laughs> to uh, to get more space. So when uh, when RB was a player up, it was like. All of a sudden, Danny Olmo, who had played well before that, was like, oh, okay, now there's a chance to put on a, on a show. And um, they had uh, uh, two more goals uh, from Benjamin Cesco, who miraculously was uh, scouted by um, RB Leipzig in Salzburg. I, I don't, we, we always enjoy these uh, miracles of scouting. And uh, he scored two more goals, and the the uh, third one was a, a a real beauty, probably the the most beautiful goal of the weekend. Uh, started with a back heel pass by Chesco, and then a, a very nice uh, lob from Dani Olmo, and a header from Chesco again. So that was yeah, was was exciting. Um, Union Berlin, they were not as perfectly organized as normally um, in, in their game against the ball. They created not much and um, and we didn't see Leonardo Bonucci on the pitch. We saw him, but we didn't see him on the pitch. Would he have made a difference for this uh, Union team defensively? Or was it just a case of the midfield not doing its job properly and the man down being too much of a handicap for them. No, no, the problem, I think, was not in, in, in uh, center defense. I, I think um, if we talk about Bonucci being 36 now, um, arriving on in Berlin only on, on Friday, uh, having his first training there, and um, already impressing was Fischer. Who was talking about his charisma and all? Um, what I heard yesterday, everybody at the club was um, was very impressed by him, by his charisma, and also because he's just a gentleman. So he um, so he didn't behave at all like the your odd superstar, but uh, like a very nice and friendly man. Um, he didn't ask where the Prada shop is in Köpenick. <laughs> no, no, and uh, he, he would find he would find one somewhere else in Berlin. So, <laughs> no, um, but but I think um, as fascinating as it is um, to have Leonardo Bonucci at the Alta Försterei, I think he is kind of solving a problem uh, that Union doesn't have because uh, when you look at it, where, where he could play. Um, it would be the center of the um, three-man uh, backline, and uh, where Robin Knoche's position normally is. And Ro Robin Knoche, uh, and that's a joke um, that uh, I don't know how well it translates. He was a backbone of the um, uh, Union defense last season, and uh, is this season already. Um, so. It, he could only play in this position, I guess. That's what I, I would guess. So, um, And now you have like two players that you expect to, to start. So um, if they have, would have signed your, let's say, 20-year-old talent and you bring him in and, and uh, give Robin Knoche some time to relax and, and so on, um, that would have been logic. Um, probably 
to sign Bonucci is not logic, but it's fascinating. Absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, especially in the Champions League, it could be fascinating to see him come up against uh, Real Madrid and Napoli and Braga, of course. Uh, we discussed all the reaction to uh, the Champions League draw on our special edition for supporters and ultras of Beer and Honey. Uh, if you are and you haven't listened to that yet, I'll, uh, I'd recommend it. Um, if you want to become a member and listen to it, then go ahead and do so. Uh, just another little incentive for you. Anyway, we move on. Christoph, I think we should go next to our friends in Dortmund, where, well, depending on your <laughs> depending on your view, either the inevitable happened or uh, another huge surprise happened. I, I don't know if I'm still surprised or if I should expect the unexpected with Dortmund. Anyway, just to put you in the loop, dear listener, Dortmund were tuned up thanks to a goal from Brandt and a penalty from Emre Can. After 15 minutes at home to Heidenheim, yes, new boys Heidenheim, widely tipped as relegation candidates, number two maybe, behind Darmstadt. But they somehow threw things away and conceded two goals in the second half. Kleindienst with a penalty and before that, uh, Dingchi. And a huge outpouring of frustration, anger, annoyance from the crowd. And Hans-Joachim Watzke has asked for a commission, or at least for some kind of introspection and analysis of what's going wrong because of course the start has been very very bad Christoph what what the hell happened on Friday night at Signal Iduna Park um, uh, you were asking if it is a surprise or not a surprise at all at least I, I, I don't have the answer but at least uh, to me it was by far the most fascinating uh, uh, um, match of the weekend because what you could see especially in the last 20 minutes was a kind of Borussia meltdown. Uh, you, you said it, they were 2-0 were, were up, they had good chances to score a third one or a fourth one or whatever to, to get the result that most of the people uh, would have um, expected. And, uh, and in the end, they were, were so lucky that Heidenheim was not clinical and cool enough to completely turn it around because in the last 15 minutes or so, um, Borussia completely lost their nerves. And I, especially in, in before my eye, I see Emre Can in complete desperation. And, and I don't know what it is. Is it the fear factor? Is it um, wh what's going on with this team? So, um, uh, so I got the impression that Borussia was lucky not 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 to lose it um, uh, when you look at the the end of the game. And now here here's my theory: what's got, what's wrong? So um, 
We remember, I think, very vividly our friend Stefan Ursfeld, who was uh, with us in the show last last week. And we were joking a bit about him and his fellow Borussia fans as being uh, traumatized and that they all need therapy. I think the same is true for uh, the Borussia Dortmund team. You could see it. They they not at all have overcome this. And and here's another thing. Um, I think, um, um, and that's sad to say, um, Edin Terzic won't survive this uh, situation because I think deep inside there is such a frustration about this missed opportunity to win uh, the German championship. And deep inside, a lot of people have the feeling um, that somebody has to uh, be sacrificed for it. And, um, and I think uh, this will be the coach. And it, um, I mean, if you look at social media, there are a lot of very nasty comments about uh, Edin Terzic um, not being a good coach, and but he can sing in, in TV because we talked about it. He was in Aktuelle Sportstudio and and, uh, and I liked it very much, his emotional approach, quoting fan songs about unity and being there uh, even in bad times, blah, blah, blah. This, and, but this is now completely turned around against him. And, um, and uh, as much as I like him, um, I, I think um, it will be almost impossible for him to, to turn it around. We're already at that point where there's no coming back for him. You think? I, that's at least my my my, uh, my impression. It's it's not. Uh, I think you you don't have to look at it rationally. Uh, I think there is so much emotions and and so involved in in it. Or he manages to um, to. Um, Put the team on track like he did in the la in the second part of, of last season, and uh, but but I don't see see that coming. Although um, probably we, we, um, they made a surprise transfer uh, at the end um, of the week. Niklas Füllkrug uh, came in from Werder Bremen, the center forward of the German national team. He, he might help, but, but I think the problems are too, too complicated. And, uh, but let's see, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, right now that's my, um, my take on the situation. Uh, Christoph, we knew that, um, oh, we know that Lucien Favre, who was uh, the predecessor of um, Marco Rose. He was never really 100% supported or rated or trusted by uh, Dortmund, yet he stayed there for three years because they couldn't find anyone else. Could Tessic survive a little bit longer because there's no real contender, no real alternative candidate out there? Or do you see a chance of Julian Nagelsmann stepping in? Who is the one coach who's available of mm. the big names in Germany? 
I, I think uh, Borussia very much would uh, like to keep him because, I mean, he is a Borussia man. He is a, a very nice a human being and uh, that's seen like this uh, by everybody in the club. So if there is any chance to, to, uh, to keep him, um, uh, they will do it. And I think there is right now, there is not a uh, uh, discussion about the manager going on. But um, yeah, it's complicated. Julian Nagelsmann phew, would be complicated in, in, a, in a way, um, but um, um, yeah, maybe it's too easy uh, to, uh, to, to discuss replacements for, for Terzic, but I think we have to keep an eye on the situation and we will do. Okay, so he'll have some time to turn things around. All right. Somebody who has turned things around in quite dramatic fashion is uh, Sebastian Hoeneß at Stuttgart. Uh, you recall that he saved them from uh, relegation uh, last season. And this season, after three games, they have six points. They've scored 11 goals. And they looked absolutely devastating in a positive sense when they demolished Freiburg 5-0 at the weekend. Uh, again, some goals from Girassi, who's turning into one of the outstanding strikers in the Bundesliga. I think Stuttgart really happy that nobody came in for him. But um, as a team, especially on the break, very few sides as fun as Stuttgart to watch at the moment. Bit of a surprise to you or did you expect them to come back strong? I remember you saying that they didn't get the results that they warranted in terms of their performances now they seem to be getting them yeah and um this especially this one against freiburg is very important because it's uh, it it's over the years it, it has become a real derby between the team from württemberg and the team from baden and um and as Stuttgart is the big one in this derby, the one with the big history, former German champion and so on. Freiburg was always a bit the thorn in the side because um, they did everything what people in Stuttgart would like to have. They have their manager, Christian Streich, for many years developing good players and gr slowly growing into a force in German football. And so... Um, to defeat them 5-0 uh, is something um, uh, very much liked uh, by the uh, Stuttgart supporters. And uh, and yes, I mean, they won their first game uh, of the season 5-0 against Bochum and already looked good. Um, and, um, and I think um, with all this transfer craziness, I sometimes... Uh, wonder what all these transfer gurus and managers in uh, are doing because as we know there would have been a, a big chance to sign Seru Girassi the Guinean center forward who as you said has already scored five goals now um, uh, during this transfer window and I, I, I'm, I'm totally surprised that nobody seriously went for him but um, yeah, um, so Stuttgart can be very happy 
and uh, uh, to keep him. And I, I think um, they are uh, can be optimistic to have a good season, maybe a great season after some years full of difficulties. Raphael, uh, we, um, with transfer dealings, um, we have to move to another club who was successful this weekend. And, um, and we have to congratulate our colleagues from Süddeutsche Zeitung for the best headline of the weekend, because um, uh, their headline was Holding Nicks. And this was about um, uh, the the non-transfer uh, of a holding six um, at Bayern. So holding next me means kind of holding nothing. And yes, of course, Bayern was holding nothing after many efforts uh, during the trans last days of the transfer window and uh, look like um, that they completely um, blown it. What did they do? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, we had holding six or the Knicks on this podcast last week. So I'd like to think that our colleagues from Süddeutsche were perhaps inspired by, by listening to us. That's, that's possible. Um, yeah, what happened? Uh, Palinia was already in the building holding up a Bayern shirt, but the clearance from Fulham never arrived. And he was going, he was sent back on his private jet on Friday night again. Uh, Thomas Müller joked that uh, on hearing uh, the, that news, Thomas Tuchel would have probably bit into uh, a seat of the plane he was traveling on in frustration. Uh, certainly not happy, certainly still not happy on Saturday talking about it. He called the squad composition thin. He called it gutsy with um, barely veiled sarcasm and repeatedly said, we will see if it's enough for the rest of the season, heavily implying that it's not. As a coach, I'd be very unhappy as well because Bayern have sold one of their four central midfielders. They tried to get a replacement in. It didn't happen. They sold a right back who can play also play as a centre-back in Benjamin Pavard. They loaned out a right-back who can also play as a centre-back in <laughs> Stanisic. And they also didn't bring in anyone. And now in those two positions, they're a little bit thin on the ground. And I think that's why, before we go into the ins and outs of what, what that means for the club and what it says, etc., that's why the game took on an extra dimension of importance because if Bayern had lost or perhaps even drawn against their bogey team Borussia Mönchengladbach we would have had a huge sense of this club is is unprofessional uh, there's a big problem here Tuchel and the board are fighting um, it's going to be a big problem going forward but As it was, the team actually played really well, especially in the second half when Tuchel made some changes. And I think people feel, maybe even Tuchel himself, feel a little bit more positive about the squad, knowing that, yes, 
in terms of quantity, maybe there's a couple of players missing. But the quality, especially if they're finding their feet and things are beginning to click just a little bit more, is still considerable. Let's separate these two things. As a team, Bayern struggled in the first half to break down a very, 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 very low Borussia Mönchengladbach team. They had about nine men near their own box. Uh, player, the only player, <laughs> no pun intended, to play slightly further up. And they took advantage from, from a set piece. A great goal from Itakura. But in the second half, Tuchel made some big changes. He brought on Connie Leimer as a right back. He brought on Chupomoting as a second center forward. He positioned Müller slightly differently. He pushed um, some of the players up to be even more attacking. And it all resulted in yeah, some, some decent football. Uh, a lovely goal from Leroy Sané, who was probably Bayern's best player, alongside with Lima in the second half. And then a late winner from Matis Tell from a, from a corner, uh, a, a Kimmich corner, which is a bit of a collector's item because his corners have been, have been pretty bad. Uh, this time better, it must be said, in the game. But yeah, a, bi a big win for Bayern. It felt like a sort of big statement, uh, finding a way. And especially with all the noise coming from the transfer window, uh, the perfect result for them. The transfer window, though, Christoph, I mean, can you remember a Bayern Munich transfer window where on the last day, the deadline day, they are still trying to get important players in, but not only that, then they fail to do so. Mm. To me, that is a very novel and very worrying precedent, which I think shows you how, if not chaotic, then at least complex things have been behind the scenes without a proper sporting director in place. It was Christoph Freund's first day at work on Friday, <laughs> not not the best, not the best start for him, but I think it underlines that the the so-called transfer committee, Austria Sport, perhaps had a few too many people involved to uh, have a streamlined process in the end. Yeah. I mean, seven se seven people involved is 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 a lot. Um, it's um, and it, it's yeah, it's just too much. And um, yeah, and you're right. I, nobody can remember uh, a situation like this because uh, a situation like this never occurred before. So, <laughs> and it's very unbiased. Um, because it's normally uh, so in the past, Bayern at least in Germany was boss. They got what they wanted and probably it's also a bit of uh, a sign of changing times uh, that they are not at the top of the food chain i mean they look like they they got harry uh, got harry kane so uh, a fantastic transfer for them and 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 for the bundesliga but um yeah maybe it's it's also expressing a, a kind of 
power shift in international football. I think they really, really, really have to uh, analyze what, what happened in, in this transfer window. Was it just bad organization? Um, bad scouting? I don't know. Haven't they been prepared enough or, 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 or whatever? Um, or if it's something uh, uh, general that they are, their position in the uh, world of international football um, has changed. Um, but yeah, um, but, but let's move on to, I think for me, the most shocking transfer of the, of the deadline day. And that happened in Frankfurt and, and somebody was joking afterwards, imagine you're having 100 millions Uh, 100 million and all shops are closed. And that's exactly what happened to Eintracht Frankfurt because in Germany, um, uh, the transfer deadline was uh, six o'clock in the evening local time. And then uh, no team in Germany could sign any uh, player. But some other countries like France, for example, they have a Uh, their w uh, window is uh, closed a bit later, 11 o'clock in the evening. And uh, during that time, uh, PSG raised their offer for Randall Kolumuani, and then he was gone. And before that, Frankfurt had loaned out Raphael Bourré to Bremen, who needed someone to replace Füllkrug made sense in, in, in a way for, for Frankfurt and it made sense for Bremen, but it didn't make sense anymore after uh, Kolomouani left. And, and this is a, I would say, terrible blow for, uh, for Eintracht Frankfurt uh, chances uh, uh, this season. I mean, they qualified on, on Thursday for um, uh, the Europa League, uh, sorry, for the Conference League group stages and so on. But, um, <clears throat> and you could see it um, on Sunday when they played 1-1 uh, against Col uh, Cologne, thanks to a, a late equalizer of, of Niels Nkunku, a 22-year-old uh, who came in from uh, Saint-Etienne and some of our Listeners in England might remember that he uh, briefly played for Everton and Cardiff. Uh, but um, yeah, I, what, what, what do you think about it? I mean, it's, um, it's um, a, a, an astonishing situation, a depressing situation also because um, Kolomouani went on strike. Um, before the um, second leg against Sofia, where um, Frankfurt qualified for the group stages. So what, what, what do we make of it? Yeah, it's a shame, first of all, that, that things have, have worked out this way. Um, secondly, I think Frankfurt, a little bit like Bayern, ran out of time. They, they tried to find the replacement. They tried to obviously spend the money. They were interested in uh, French striker Equitiquet from PSG, but um, couldn't quite agree. I think personal terms with him, he was on a lot of money. And I think it would have only worked if PSG would have picked up maybe some of that and they were unwilling to do so. In the end, he stayed in Paris. But at the same time, 
I get the sense, Christoph, that they felt not selling Kolomoni isn't an option either. After his strike, after uh, PSG coming very close to the kind of sum that Frankfurt had wanted all along, which was 100 million, I think um, even though the player had lost the moral high ground by going on strike, if a club comes up with a 95 million euro offer and then you still say no, I think it's very hard to keep him motivated for the second half of the season and you better take the money even if you can't spend it immediately and then spend it in January. So, yeah, not ideal for not ideal for Frankfurt, not ideal for the Bundesliga on the whole that they lost um, another top top striker, top star. Uh, they've lost in Kunku, they've lost uh, Lewandowski the year before, Erling Haaland the year before, and uh, Kolomoni was the most exciting foreign foreign striker, not called Harry Kane, and now he's gone. And that's uh, it's a shame for both Frankfurt and the and the league. Yeah, and I think um, um, Frankfurt are the big losers of this transfer window in a way because they also um, sold Jesper Lindstrom to uh, Napoli and um, so rich um, rich uh, losers rich losers yeah maybe they um, they uh, they prepare themselves to to um, uh, uh, um, buy big in winter. But that's always a bad thing to do. Uh, but um, yeah, um, you're right. It's um, it's a blow for the Bundesliga. Disappointing. But um, I mean, we saw this um, uh, before. Also, play, player going on strike with um, uh, Dembélé in, in in Dortmund before he left to Barcelona. The same agent was uh, involved. Interestingly, so. Um, Maybe there is a kind of tactic behind it. And uh, uh, there was a very a banner, a huge banner in, uh, in front of the home end um, at um, uh, the Waldstadion in Frankfurt on, on uh, Sunday saying, Kolo uh, Muani, um, uh, money is not changing the character, but it's shows it so this shows the frustration also of the frankfurt supporters about somebody they i think have deeply loved for for his uh, not, for, not only for his uh, uh, style of football be, because also kolumani always seemed to be a very nice humble friendly uh, normal guy but yeah <laughs> This now he is gone, and um, Frankfurt is having a real problem. And maybe in some weeks we discuss it with our Frankfurt ultra Ronnie Rang. Um, uh, another uh, another guest that might have uh, need for therapy at this point. Yeah, so maybe we 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 we, we change that in 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 a kind of football therapy podcast, and. Um, and maybe next time some, we, have, we have somebody talking about Mainz 05 because shockingly uh, they lost 4-0 at Bremen. And Bremen, we, we talked about it, lost their 
uh, goalscorer Niklas Füllkrug to Borussia Dortmund brought in, as we said, Raphael Bure, who didn't play on um, on on Saturday, but they scored four goals. So um, yeah, it's um, the winners and losers of this transfer window is uh, sometimes difficult to to see. Yeah, well, one of the most under, really expected results. They get the weekend, Bremen's 4-0 win. It helped that they took a one lead after just three minutes uh, from a penalty and Mainz never really recovered in the second half. Also, a really, to my eyes anyway, surprising result at Hoffenheim. They beat uh, Fafel Wolfsburg, a very good Wolfsburg team that uh, had uh, been unbeaten up until that point, but they were 3-1 uh, losers. Uh, some uh, really good stuff from, from Hoffenheim. John Anthony Brooks with equalizer after Tjoko Tomas had given the visitors the lead. And then the second goal came from Maximilian Bayer, Christoph, who you're keen to talk about. Yeah, and um, huge celebration in Hoffenheim because um, um, he's one of our own in, uh, football fans in England would sing. Uh, 20-year-old uh, Maximilian Bayer um, comes from the Hoffenheim Academy. Uh, a quite productive uh, academy and he already scored his second goal um, this season uh, to the uh, yeah and that made fans in in Hoffenheim very happy just a, a short word on Hoffenheim and their activities um, on uh, on the last day of um, on, on deadline day Uh, they signed Anton Stach uh, from Mainz, uh, defensive central midfield player who, who also uh, already had played for the German national team, and Mergin Berisha, a center forward from um, Augsburg. And um, but yes, uh, they both didn't uh, play so far, and uh, star of the show was the young one from the own academy. Before we uh, talk about uh, leaders of the table, just a quick word on um, the most important game of the weekend. That was Augsburg against uh, VfL Bochum. It was a 2-2 draw. And uh, for me, it was uh, the best game, uh, best away game uh, under Thomas Letsch for Bochum. Bochum really looked good, had more shots um, were more on the ball, blah, blah, blah. All, everything was um, in favor for them, expected goals also. Um, and so in the end, um, Bochum was a bit unhappy not winning it, but I, I think very happy um, about the performance and after this terrible start um, of the season with going out in the um, in the German Cup in Bielefeld and this uh, already mentioned 5-0 defeat in Stuttgart. Um, they look pretty okay now. A funny story from the transfer window also in Bochum because uh, Gonzalo Paciencia is returning uh, to the Bundesliga, the Portuguese center forward who um, already played for Frankfurt and Schalke in the Bundesliga. Um, he comes on loan from uh, Celta de Vigo in, in Spain and the option to, to sign him only popped up um, in the afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon. And as uh, Simon Soller left the club uh, a day before uh, to San Pauli, um, he came on. Um, so um, a bit like all of a sudden. 
Yeah, and Raphael, we have two teams in the Bundesliga that have uh, won all the points. Um, uh, one of them is as Bayern, and we have one team that has won none points, and this is Darmstadt. And um, Darmstadt played at top of the table Bayer Leverkusen and were defeated 5-1. How good is Bayer? Uh, Bayer is good, we know that. Um, I'm not sure the game told us anything new. Darmstadt were uh, quite poor and Leverkusen were, were great, especially Boniface. Uh, two more goals for him. Uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung, who you quoted, <laughs> uh, came up with uh, a nice moniker for him. They called him a one-man avalanche, yeah, which uh, which is very nice. Um, yeah, he's he's in fantastic form. The Nigerian striker. I think that is a. Um, I, who brought up this very fame? I, I think it was Jorge Valdano who called Ronaldo a one-man stampede. Correct. So uh, the original I, oh, okay. Ronaldo, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, Boniface uh, with a uh, two 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 goal avalanche on uh, that buried <laughs> Darmstadt. And uh, what else do, did you see in that match? Well, I, I saw that uh, Leverkusen just. They're just great. I mean, they they play football. They it can change things up a little bit. It doesn't really matter. They don't lose quality. They have uh, in Fringpong, one of the best sort of right wing backs, right backs in the league, maybe even in Europe at the moment. He always goes forward, always creates chances. Um, the back three looks really solid. Again, Darmstadt, not the biggest test uh, for them. And uh, Granit Xhaka, I think we have to talk about him because... He's come back to the league. He was signed, I think, as a character, as a, a voice in a dressing room, as a presence. But just as a footballer, he's been so so good for this team, so clever in his movement, um, plays really calmly, uh, very removed from the stereotype that had built up maybe over the years about him being... Uh, hot-headed and temperamental and unreliable he's I think one of the sort of unsung heroes of this team playing uh, a big role in Leverkusen's fantastic start and we all even more so than before of course look forward to the big clash first against second on Friday night the first game after the international break Thomas Tuchel I think had an interesting thought he said was it really the, the best idea for the league to put this game on on a Friday night? I think the idea was really to protect Bayern a little bit, uh, make it easier for them because they have the Champions League on Wednesday and they often give teams games, uh, certainly on Saturday, never on Sunday, but also on Friday night if they can. But in this respect, because most players will only come back on Wednesday, Thursday, maybe some will only come back on Friday. It's uh, not the ideal preparation for such a fantastic game, but both Leverkusen and Bayern will be equally affected, of course. In the case of um, Boniface, for example, he I think he will debut, make his debut for Nigeria and that will involve a lot of uh, uh, traveling. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but 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 looking at the calendar, not not only the match day calendar. Um, I think before we go, um, and having talked about this crazy deadline day uh, business. Um, it has become also in Germany, I think, as it has been in um, in England for, for, for a bit longer, a kind of entertainment um, thing um, and probably that affected also clubs in their in their um, in how they were dealing with it. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like as if it's accepted to not to do everything in the last minutes or, or so instead of I don't know but um, I think it's not a good thing that it happens when the um, season has already started as we have seen especially in the case of uh, Eintracht Frankfurt I would say because it's um, for example the, the two teams uh, that Frankfurt played before um, were kind of Uh, in a disadvantage because the others were playing uh, against um, uh, teams without Kolomuani. But anyhow, that's just a detail. What can be done to to make this more serious, not so circus-like, not so crazy? Um, do we need to move the date? Should, should the uh, transfer window be open? Longer, shorter, at another time? What do you think? So first of all, I think that we need probably the same time on deadline day, deadline day for, for all the leagues, if possible, at least for all the leagues in Europe. I think the Bundesliga has found that uh, shutting shop uh, earlier, as the shops do in Germany, of course, <laughs> has, uh, has worked has worked against them when they couldn't sign replacements um, or they couldn't get things over the line because, as in the case of Bellinia, uh, Fulham weren't quite ready and therefore Bayern by six o'clock had to say, okay, it doesn't work. So I think a universal deadline day deadline in terms of the <laughs> clock would would work a little bit. Of course, you can do what Leipzig have done, which is to get all your business done in time and not listen to any more offers. And then you have a very quiet deadline day. And that's how Bayern and Dortmund used to do business. Uh, Leverkusen had a quiet deadline day as well. So it can still be done, even if you're plugged into this international network and this domino effect that we see more and more. But I am less sure, Christoph, about the deadline day, sorry, about the transfer window opening during the season. I always think if you lose a huge player because he's out with cruciate ligament injury or he breaks his leg or, uh, I don't know, some guy um, falls out with a coach, then to be forced to stay with that player and not do anything for the whole season until you can then maybe change something in January seems to be very harsh and very, very weird. I think there should be a way to react 
at the beginning of a season to things going badly. Also, you know, sometimes coaches find that what they, the, the players that they have, the team that they have, is not quite enough. You see it after one game, you see it after two games. Shouldn't you be able then to do something about it? I think it's it's pragmatic to allow clubs to still have a degree of uh, change and agency in that in that respect. Of course, it has an unsettling effect, but I think if you've done your homework and if you are prepared for the eventualities, then that's something you have to deal with. Okay, um, next week we're looking uh, for others if they have done their homework. <laughs> that's the German national team. Uh, Hansi Flick, very much under fire, um, is uh, playing against Japan and France. And, um, and he has, um, hasn't uh, called up Leon Goretzka, surprisingly. He has called up Pascal Gross from Brighton, also surprisingly, or surprisingly late. And, um, and yeah, uh, massive discussions about the German national team um, uh, in Germany that we tell you about uh, next week uh, when we know what happened at the German national team. Yeah, we'll be back uh, Wednesday next week with a look at... Hansi Flick's latest and perhaps last games in charge of the German national team. Until such time, have a wonderful international break. Uh, we'll certainly miss you, but uh, do come back for another edition in 10 days' time. And until such time, thank you very much. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. And honey, the German football podcast.